Welcome to Roundtill Radio, the podcast from Roundtill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, redefine what we're talking about. We talk about faith. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning, Leslie. I'm so glad to be with you again it's today. It's great to be with you and any people who are listening or watching. That's so wonderful. And I love that you organized our two episodes that we're going to record with each other to kind of like a two-parter. Yeah. It's organized. Today's part two. I love it. <laughs> so let's review what we talked about last week a little bit. Sure. Um, if you haven't listened to it, go back, check it out. It's always there for you, infinitum, if you need it. Um, but just like a quick, yeah. a quick review. So we were talking some about an older book I actually got back in the 80s, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Mm -hmm. And this was a kind of an entry point because I've started the Thursday Connections on Instagram Live. The first one was so good. Thank you. So you can go back and watch that if you have Instagram. Follow Roundhill Media, mm -hmm. and you can listen to it. It's recorded. It's recorded. So, it's and there. each one will be, so you can always go back. Yeah. I will so, say there was some very special about being with you live, though. Thank you. You know, there's something really cool about on demand, about catching content when you can. Yeah. Um, and I love that, but I also, I like the live thing, too. Well, it was just a little snippet, right, mm -hmm. of connection with God, self, and others. And yeah. so this two-part series on the podcast mm -hmm. is a broader discussion of some of the spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. And we talked last week about how discipline can sometimes be a, a bad it's word. A bad word. <laughs> I don't, I don't it like feels it. like a bad word based if you're thinking about childhood. Yes. But disciplines are really practices mm -hmm. that will help us grow spiritually because sure. that's what we all want. We, right. we want to grow. So last week we talked about, according to Richard Foster, the inner disciplines, mm -hmm. which were meditation, Mm -hmm. listening, stopping and listening, prayer, yep. a more active interaction with God. And Foster says, actually, in many of the other desert mothers and fathers and mystics have said, that's really the way that you transform in your relationship with God is through prayer. prayer. Fasting, withholding from food or other kinds of things to increase spiritual awareness, mm -hmm. study either of the scriptures or other spiritual religious texts. And then I added in a regular practice of appreciation and gratitude, mm -hmm. which shifts our, it opens our hearts in a different way too. Yeah. Right. Kind of what do you appreciate about yourself and what are you grateful for in other people? Sure. And then a practice, a regular practice of self-compassion, yeah. which we in our culture are not really good at, right. particularly Protestantism. Mm -hmm. I'd say all of Christianity, sure. where you forgive yourself as a human being, that we a recognition that we're all humans, mm -hmm. that we all fail, and then we can all do better. And then forgiving ourselves, receiving forgiveness, mm -hmm. and then repairing if we need to, and then kind of going on. Yeah. Listeners of the podcast will recognize, obviously, the topic of self-compassion. We talk about right. it. We had a whole series on it here. And the real takeaway for me from that, those conversations is really you know, everything you said, plus how we speak to ourselves, how we treat mm. ourselves um, really can then inform how we treat and speak to others. It's so true. That inner voice is sometimes the biggest critic. Yeah. You're so, we bash ourselves with that all oh, the yeah. time. Daily. Right. Yeah. And it, and it's really stuff that we heard from childhood, probably just either internally or externally mm -hmm. from a teacher, parent, whoever. Mm -hmm. And we've just continued on that ourselves. We've taken right. up the 
the bat ourselves and mm -hmm. continue doing it. So mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Time to rework that. Time to rework Way it. Way past that. <laughs> I like it. So today we're talking about the outward disciplines, according to Foster. Uh-huh. And I'm going to just read quickly the list of them, but I'm going to just focus on two of them. Okay. So simplicity, mm. solitude versus loneliness. Right. Submission, which again can be a very dirty word. <laughs> And service, uh -huh. which we're more comfortable with. Right. And then the corporate disciplines, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. Hmm. So I thought I would talk about, first of all, Morton Kelsey, who is an, um, an Episcopal priest who died back in 2001. He was born in 1917, but he's really known as a great... Um, theologian and deeply spiritual man. Mm -hmm. um, he was a professor at the University of Notre Dame and the first Western Christian theologian to attempt to make some inroad into the field of meditation. So cool. this is what he said. What we do with our lives outwardly, how well we care for others, is as much a part of meditation as what we do in the quietness and turning inward. In fact, Christian meditation that does not make a difference in the quality of one's outer life is short-sighted, short-circuited. Sorry, I'm having a hard time reading. I don't have my <laughs> reading glasses. It may flare for a while, but unless it results in finding richer and more loving relationships with other human beings or in changing conditions in the world that cause human suffering, the chances are that an individual's prayer activity will fizzle out. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was profound. So, so we begin with that whole thought of simplicity. Mm -hmm. So simplicity, as Foster describes it, is an inner reality that results in an outward lifestyle. So you know the Shaker hymn, Tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free. Classic. Right? Yeah. Easy to sing it, but harder to put into practice, particularly in this area of the country and yeah. in, in the United States. Oh, in this country. Right. Yeah. Exactly. In Where the it's Western accumulation world. more and more and more. Right. Like everything that you see is like, oh, that'll make me feel better mm -hmm. or, oh, I need that. Mm -hmm. Well, the question is, in this discipline, mm -hmm. do we really need it? Right. Right? Right. So... Um, one of the things, so there were several aspects to this in, in terms of, in addition to what we have and what we don't have physically, mm -hmm. even focusing on our language, having simple and honest language is oh, one of the pieces, which I really loved. Um, he also talked about the lust for status and position is gone because we no longer need status and position, that we cease from showy extravagance. Mm -hmm. And not because we can't afford something, but on principle, mm -hmm. we become more focused on contentment, as mm -hmm. you and I were just talking about, mm -hmm. and our goods become available to others. Mm -hmm. I remember back when I was kind of going through an austerity phase in my earlier, I was, I was becoming, I was really focusing, actually, when I first read this book in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, I was involved with a church, a Presbyterian church down in North Carolina, and we were really kind of working through some of these things. And I thought, what would it mean for me to give away some of the things that were most important to me? Mm. How attached was I to stuff? Right, right. And so I gave away my 
my most favorite nightgown. I gave away some needlepoint stuff that I had, and yeah. I just, I felt what it was like to give it away. Okay. And it hurt for a little bit, but then there was such a freedom in mm -hmm. doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're into this, the country's into the craze of, you know, getting rid of stuff. You know, there's that yeah. thing, that cleansing out. But to do it for spiritual reasons right. is a whole different thing. Right. Have you ever experienced anything about what it's felt like to give away stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What was it? Tell us what it's well, like. Well, so there is a lot of... Um, generational items in my family that oh, all yes. I was the only one that kept saying yes to them yes so I ended up with like three houses worth of stuff in my house so it's been like a decade of 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 releasing the um guilt of of getting rid of these, some of these things that are not I don't necessarily like but I felt like I had to keep some of them I genuinely do love and ha will keep forever. Yeah. Um, but there was some stuff I just, oh, I sort of need, you know, I needed it at the time because I, I couldn't afford furniture um, when I was younger, but also just sort of kept because I felt like I had to. And it's not you. Right. That is so key about how extra things can be actually a burden to us. Yes. Right? Yes. In terms of just the stuff. Around. The so. Stuff. I mean, you know, we've talked in here, my mother recently died and there's more stuff that I got. And even in, yeah. as my sisters and I went through the things, she had already downsized from her house mm -hmm. to a two bedroom apartment, Right. but feeling like going in and it was really interesting to watch right. my, or all of our needs to feel to, we needed to connect to her. So we right. got stuff and then of I came course. home with it and I'm like, oh my gosh, now I've got this stuff what and I can't let it go right? because it has meaning to it. Yeah. But I feel like there's 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 a level for that, right? There's some things have a beautiful connection and memory and meaning, and that's there is there something wonderful in that. And then there's just sort of stuff, right? You know, in our house we use some stronger language for, right. for that. <laughs> well, and it just I have four boxes of that stuff yeah. that hasn't haven't even been opened, right? Down in the basement. Yeah, when it just doesn't, when nothing has a place to put it. Right. You know, when you have so much stuff that there isn't a place for it and you haven't used it in for who knows how long. So that's a really good point for people who are looking at downsizing their homes mm -hmm. and giving their stuff to their kids. Let's just right. make a point right now just to say, yeah, don't feel bad if your kids don't want it. Right. <laughs> it's okay. They still love you. Meaning isn't always attached to stuff. To stuff. stuff means stuff to different people. Yes. I will say, I don't think my mother would be too mad at me for, for outing her for this. She, she really wanted me to enjoy um, having collections as a younger person. Yes. Um, which seemed fun. I wasn't particularly into them very much. And so now I have this like big envelope of postcards from my postcard collection of which I have zero attachment, but I also feel really bad. So I was moving, or actually I moved my office within our house uh, the, over the past couple of weeks. And so I kept looking at this like envelope of postcards, like what am I going to read? And what did you decide? It's still in the bookcase. <laughs> go, Leslie, go. Well, there's, and then there's like a, there's like a, what are those called? A pin collection? Yeah. That one at least has a little more, you know. So what would it take jaunty. for you to let go of the postcards? I, I don't. I don't. I just need to throw them away. <laughs> I think I also. I See, here's where I get caught. 
is I get caught because then I feel like I'm adding to landfills. I get, I'm like, well, how do I properly dispose of this without it being a climate crisis? <laughs> and I get a little, I work it up a little high in my head. Okay. I think yeah. that could be like a, like a. Just let it go. <laughs> Just let it Why go. Why don't you burn them in the fireplace? Because then you're contributing to. Yeah, I think there's like some chemicals in the ink or something. There's like some plastic. Okay. I, I That's think not we burnt need plastic. A, I, I think we're in a little bit of a rut here. I think we're <laughs> stuck. I think we got stuck on the postcards, which is to say simplicity can be a challenge when we are conditioned otherwise. Yes. Well, here's one thing Foster goal. says. Foster says that because of human lack of a divine center, mm. our need for security has led us to an insane attachment to things. Yeah, sure. And I would say even money. This like right. I, I've had to really examine the deep seated mm -hmm. fear of oh my god, I'm not going to be taken care of, which sure. is which is familial sure. as well as theological. Sure. So is if I felt as a kid that oh my god, I've got to get stuff to be okay to you know make sure I have what I need around me, right, right, versus right. that. God is taking care of me. Right. I'm doing the things that I need to do in order for those things to happen. But I am in the care of God. Yeah. So I really believe that lack of divine center really drives people to accumulate more. Yeah. I think it's also specifically like we were saying, you know, this, this country and this culture, but then this particular part of this country where just the numbers required to live here feel yeah. like monopoly money yeah to me yeah um you know having you know grown up in the south in the 80s this is just different numbers it's insane it's just it's, and, and, it feels and then, silly and during the pandemic those who were in the upper like right one percent right quadrupled their money right and so it's like it's not even i mean i don't even know what it would mean to be in conversation with someone that had a trillion dollars or right. billions and billions of dollars. I don't right. know what that would mean. I mean, right. hopefully they're still centered mm -hmm. um, because I think it would be really difficult to have so much and to still be authentic and be, I, I don't know. I, right. I, that's something I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's almost its own burden unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. One of the things that we did when I was here before at Round Hill and I did it um, in my subsequent church was I took um, a group several groups of people, mm -hmm. two from here and two from Wilton, to Nicaragua, wow. to rural Nicaragua. We went down for a week um, and alongside, we worked alongside of Masons and family members of in rural communities to build a house. Oh, beautiful. Um, and uh, through Bridges to Community, it's a great organization that's out of Austin, New York. But um, it's a wonderful organization in that it supports local people and businesses to thrive. There. Okay. So it's not white people coming in and doing for them, but right. it's really encouraging local business. But Supporting, anyway, yeah. we lived on rice and beans and slept on cots with mosquito netting, you know, just to, for, to allow people here, particularly young people in, in high school, a chance to see life differently sure. outside of privileged area. Yeah. And when I came back from um, one of the experiences in Wilton, I encouraged people to consider, it was during Lent, uh -huh. to consider a practice of seeing what it would be like to live 
food-wise on $7 a day, which is the amount of money for SNAP, which mm -hmm. is food stamps. Yeah. And seeing what that's what that was like. Right. Including so my daughter and I did it. And you know, first it was okay, so if we did that for a week, we we'd each have thirty-five dollars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it's no seven times seven would be yeah. forty nine. Yeah. So we we went and we like bought a big thing of rice, right? And a big thing of beans, yep. but then there really wasn't a lot of money for fresh vegetables right. or fruit, which are costly. So expensive. Right? Unless yeah. you're farming them yourself right. or you know, gardening. Right. Um, so it just, it brought, again, a different kind of a discipline of right. what does it look like to be free from having so much, of, of having the choice of 50 mm -hmm. things for dinner mm -hmm. or even more than that. Mm -hmm. um, and it just kind of, it brought up some things for us to be aware of because that's yeah. what all of these disciplines are about awareness. Well, and having had, I had a, my first experience of real gardening last summer, not that, not that cheap. Not that cheap Not and that cheap. doesn't necessarily produce a lot no. for ongoing and no. it's only seasonal. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, you know, and you can, you can stretch it and you know, you're, if you get a ton of stuff, stretch it, but it's, it's, it's not the like, oh, that's free produce. Right. You know, that's right. Um, and it takes time. Takes, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it speaks to the, the, the challenge of that. You know, I was thinking about how our conversation applies because we are actually approaching if you can believe it we're approaching lent that's true again first week in march first week in march is ash wednesday um and it's just it's such an interesting thing to sort of think about like how do we are there thoughts and lessons we can apply as we approach that time Ta now's kind of the time to think yeah right well about the scriptures we are approach. full of examples mm -hmm. of Jesus confronting the economic structures of his day. Yeah. And even in the Old Testament, the year of Jubilee, which every seven years, basically the tables were cleared and people who owed were released from their debts. Oh, wow. And so it was kind of an evening of the decks, if you would. Mm -hmm. But Jesus talked about the poor and raise the level of the poor right. constantly and right. and being and how everything that we are given is from God that we're stewards of God's earth right. so there's a great responsibility in that for sure the other thing that i loved that foster talks about is that you know buying things for usefulness rather than status mm -hmm. and rejecting those things which produce an addiction in you giving things away refusing fads of the day used to save time oh my gosh with all of the I watch it. Yeah. This yeah. thing drives me nuts because it's constantly <laughs> telling me if I have a text or not. Yeah. And so I put it away for like a year. And oh, it was really? given as a gift to me by my husband. And it's oh. like, where's the, where's the Apple watch? And I'm like, <laughs> but I don't, I don't like being constantly notified about sure. things. I can understand that. I don't want that, but, but I'm not everybody. <laughs> and the avoid, uh, buy now, pay later being right. in debt, right? Credit right, card debt. Right, right. And to use plain, honest speech. Mm -hmm. So those were the things with simplicity. One thing that I think is interesting is the focus that has been developing over the past couple of years over fast fashion. Say more. Um, so there's, you know, the ability of manufacturing in our world, I will say, because let's be honest, it's not happening actually in our country, um, to create clothing at such a cheap mm price point uh, means that we have basically disposable clothing 
um, that is very inexpensive and will last like maybe a season or two. Um, and I think that speaks to exactly this idea of simplification of buying for uselessness, usefulness, excuse me. Um, and that it is, you know, and it's way, 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 way better for our environment and our climate and our world to not be engaging with, with, um, with this kind of, you know, the trends. Right. Which oftentimes are using sweatshops probably. Right. And, and abusing workers. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it's a mixed bag, right? Because you want to be able to employ people, but you want it done in humane situations. Right. And, right. and I feel like a lot of different, different industries have kind of come, go through their own reckoning. Like I feel like yeah. the coffee industry went through this mm-hmm. maybe 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. where all the coffee got way more expensive because they were actually paying their workers a fair wage. And lo and behold, we're all very happy to pay it. Lo and behold. Lo and behold. Just look at the line at Starbucks. Oh, my gosh. Or any coffee shop. Or any coffee. Yeah. I mean, the coffee we buy at our house is like $15, $20 a bag or something. Wow. From this place with the thing at the thing. But it's, you know, it's part of buying, knowing what you're buying and right. knowing, you know, and because we have the ability to spend that much voting, shall we say, with our money yeah. for our values, yeah. you know, for things that, that feel important. Um yeah, fashion being being part interesting. Of that. Yeah, all right. Let's switch to the second one that we're going to solitude. solitude. Now that has been an interesting. This is an interesting word, particularly in light of COVID and what we've been through over the last sure. few years, because so many people were isolated. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being alone, but not lonely. Right. So how do you use that? So. You know, there were a whole bunch of examples in the scripture of Jesus started his ministry with 40 days in the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. To be alone. Now, that's when he was supposedly tempted. And, you know, that's so solitude can bring up things on a deeper level. Right. Right. Um, but if we want to be with others in a meaningful way, we must take time for solitude and we must seek the fellowship and accountability of others if we want our alone time to be safe. So that's interesting, too, because we know that there's been a lot of mental health issues that come with, you know, people who are at risk of being alone, depression. Um, So the need for the combination of solitude Mm -hmm. and connected time with others, meaningful connection with others must be together. And it keeps people accountable, like somebody to say, that's not you know, you're not thinking right. Right. All right. So that's not, not what we're talking. We're really needing both together. So, yeah. so what does it mean and how does one have solitude, um, with silence? Mm-hmm. So there, without silence, there is no solitude, but it's not just silence. It's developing a listening heart to God, mm-hmm. kind of an inner guidance. And that's what creates an inner sense of silence, the ability to still our minds. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes <laughs> after a very busy day, I have to do crossword puzzles to get my mind just focused on one thing oh, and then yeah. just start to kind of walk back a little bit. We, we talked some about that before the podcast started of just, after, you know, it really, bless you, it takes a lot to kind of silence our minds, doesn't it? Um, So the ability to still our minds can start, again, this is a practice. So 
that's where meditation can come in. Mm. Um, I remember um, having gone to Jesuit retreat centers for anywhere from three to seven days, like three times a year, mm. um, to quiet my mind mm. and to clear things out and just be still. Right. And I remember the first, every single time, the first 24 hours, I was climbing the walls <laughs> <laughs> to deprogram from I'm all sure. of the stuff. Right. But by the, the end, swirling. by the end of that time, whether it was the three days or the seven days, mm -hmm. I was in a totally different place. Heart open, cleared, ready to go back into society. So I would not have been a good, I would not choose the monastic life. <laughs> no. But I know that I need to take time away. I mean, it, it yeah. may be, for for some of us, that may be impossible, right? Particularly when you have young kids. Yeah. And if you're a single parent, impossible right. to do. Right. But perhaps uh, the way I've heard some people do it, and you'll know sooner than later, uh, is just waking up an hour earlier right. to have solitude and time alone just to kind of be without, you know, maybe it's just looking out the window and just letting your mind go and just be still. Mm -hmm. um, and then come again back in and maybe journaling about it. Sure. You know, to see what that is. What is your thought on that? Yeah, I'm wondering, because I feel like so much of the modern experience is, you know, you talk about solitude and then you talk about deep connection and I feel like modern culture kind of lives in the middle in this kind of gray, we're not really connecting, but we're not really alone necessarily because we're always like kind of connected-ish Yeah, through social media, through right, whatever, through the, like vague conversations. It's not really right. So we're not really getting deep on either level. Right. And so I think maybe that's where that, that, that sort of, sticking point or challenge arises yeah. because if we're missing deep connection solitude can feel really intimidating it can be very intimidating and the whole concept of have you ever heard of dark night of the soul no what's that so saint john the cross of the cross uh desert father a long time time ago coined the phrase the dark night of the soul. And it's maybe it's the fear of going into that deep abyss. Sure. It's not depression. It's just a time when there's a person may feel totally disconnected from everything. Mm. And what he put the lens through which he sees or saw that time, because he's no longer living, of course is that this was one of the most important spiritual parts of a journey that any person can have and that yeah. we all have them at some point. And many people do a lot to keep from going into that, whether it's addictive kinds of behaviors sure. or keeping social media on or TV or whatever. Yeah. But this is a time um, to draw close to the divine center. So it might be you've lost someone you love in your life or you've lost what you feel like is your sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And rather than having that be a hopeless time mm -hmm. to just kind of rest in that, knowing that it won't last forever. And that's where maybe a spiritual director, a pastor, a spiritual friend can help you. Even a coach mm -hmm. can help say, this is just a phase. Mm -hmm. But so many people have gone through that and come out the other side and said, oh my goodness, I'm, I have renewed sense of purpose. Yeah. So for instance, when I went through um, my divorce and I just thought, I don't, I don't know what, I, I thought this was what I was supposed to do. 
Um, I don't know. And I just kind of sat back and just stopped and just, or when my, my, the other thing too, was when my daughter was ill for a couple of years, Mm -hmm. I literally sat on my couch while she was upstairs sleeping for, Mm -hmm. this was like for almost a two year period. And when I wasn't at work, when she wasn't at her father's and I just sat and I just was still just knowing, I don't know what's next. I don't know what I'm going. I don't, you know, I was working as a news reporter at that time, only filling in. Um, and that's when I kind of revisioned a call for ministry. So wow. it was just a, a time that had a lot of questions in it. Some, for some, it's darker than others. Right. Um, but that's a, that can come in solitude. And, and so some people may be afraid of that, but I think what many of the great spiritual guides of our of our past and our current would say is it's a normal part of going through things that there's nothing to be afraid of it's it's difficult Mm -hmm. and you don't need to explain it away to people but just say this is where i am yeah and it will you'll come out the other side there's a huge vulnerability in that huge yeah because there's the thing of what if it doesn't end right 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 then you know what what do you do with that and everybody wants to be wants people to be up and happy and right. you know concerned that it may be more of a clinical thing sure so that that's why you'd want to check in with people and just say this is where i am you know make sure that that chemically you're okay inside that's right. what a you know a doctor could help you with mm-hmm. but but spiritually some of the great 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 people of faith have gone through dark nights of the soul and then come out with a different sense of vision. And so for, for people who are maybe interested in, in dipping their toe in, shall we say, you mentioned a couple ideas of waking up early. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk a lot here about being in nature. What are some other sort of practical ways people can enter into a time of solitude? So what I've heard from people and what's been helpful is to, to set aside a little place in your house mm-hmm. or in your apartment mm-hmm. as a little sanctuary. It might have some, some of your favorite items that make you think, draw you into a different space, a candle perhaps. Um, I had some, like a little picture of my grandmother who was an important spiritual guide in my life. Um, And just different things as a place to go, as a a place set apart. So Mm -hmm. that might be one. Another thing, getting up early, journaling. Mm -hmm can help with solitude because you know that for that period of time, you it's just you and the, the pen and the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can help you go deeper. Um, and if you can, if it's if you are able in your situation in life to be able to get away for a day or two, um, do that. There are monasteries around, even in this area, mm-hmm. um, but there are always retreat centers that are open to having people of different faith backgrounds come. And um, there's a beautiful place. I, I would go to the place over in Warnersville, Pennsylvania. It was out in the farmlands in Pennsylvania. But there's one on the Hudson River, Holy Cross Monastery. You can go, and that's an Episcopal one. The one I went to is Jesuit. Um, there are places up, in, there's a place in Madison where you can go for silent retreat. And they offer um, spiritual directors there as well as you can just go and be silent on your own. So that might be a time to kind of reorient and refocus on your goals for the coming year Mm -hmm. or just to be quiet and just to be still. Um, And to simplify your your speech, to think about, does this need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? Yeah. 
Um, and does this need ever to be said? So <laughs> sometimes things are just not necessary. And we, we have a funny saying, like you're filling the, you're filling the, the space with words. It doesn't need <laughs> with sound. You don't need to say anything right now. Yeah. Right. You know, right. We, we joke about that in my house. Just kind of like when somebody's like, blah, 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 I'm like, right. that doesn't need to be said <laughs> in the kindest of ways. Of course. <laughs> it's funny because I interpreted that as, um, saying more directly what you mean. Well, that's true too. You know, it's kind of how I just, you know, I'm from the South. We like to pack uh, in me that too. sentence with all the extra. I know. And then the little zing can kind of come in that. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never, I don't, I'm not good at the art of the zing, but uh, but I'm good at the, I, I've been starting this practice now where I, I write an email and then I delete about half the words. Because I'm like, you. it'll take them 14 hours to read what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. <laughs> and no efficiency of words. And efficiency of words. Efficiency of words. Yeah. So I think people, I appreciate when people just kind of tell me what they're thinking without sure. me having to guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then also I'm honest about making sure that I'm owning whatever I'm saying and, sure. and not putting on them. So that's another thing too. Yeah. But yeah, a simplicity of words, definitely. And then there's the flip side of that, which is um, if you're not speaking up when you should speak up, mm. right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I grew up in the South with an author- authoritarian father who, you know, uh, children weren't, were seen, not spoken, you know, didn't yeah. speak, yeah. but they were seen yeah. and not heard. Yes. That's the proverb, right? You got there. <laughs> you got there. And yeah, exactly. And so training myself to have a voice. Right. Took a lot. Yeah. And now some, you know, at the beginning of that, I spoke too much and then I needed to kind of come back to center. Sure. But yeah, to speak up when it's important to speak up. And for, right. in our culture, unfortunately, a lot of times that's women. Right. You know, we've grown up in a thing of, you know, yeah. women need to be polite and. Right. But, right. But there's great power in being able to say Say what you mean and not say it mean, as they say in 12-step groups. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you can always be kind. You can always be kind. You can always be kind. But I think... Yeah, and tone yeah. is a thing about it, too. Absolutely. So simplicity and solitude, Tuned. the two things today. And the other things that I said, submission. And that's really submitting submitting oneself or surrendering, maybe is that even a better word. Mm. I like that one better. Yeah. Surrendering to God's presence in your life, mm-hmm. to whatever God wants to do in your life. Yeah. Um, and then service, which is always an important thing and sure. so essential in our lives as, as people of faith. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for sharing so these, these, these disciplines with us, these practices, these great ideas for living. Um, and, and thanks to Richard Foster. And thanks to Richard Foster <laughs> for guiding us along the way. Yes. <laughs> so we hope you all have such a great week. And Roundtown Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundtown Community Church. We'll see you back here next week. Bye.